Good morning. It's Iowemala, and it's Sunday, July the 4th. So, happy Independence Day, and hope you're enjoying a safe weekend and having fun. And I hope your weather is as good as ours. Usually, the 4th can be kind of rainy, but we don't seem to have any rain this weekend. So I've been gone since Sunday, and uh, I really miss being able to do these chats with you and to sit with you. So uh, it was really something. It really has become part of my part of my week to share with all of you and to sit with you. Uh, I had a week of at the Siena Center in Racine, which is a beautiful retreat center, and uh, with Don, along with Donna Mosca, who owns Peace Tree Yoga in Burlington, Wisconsin, we've been doing a retreat called Moving into Silence for, wow, at least uh, 13 years now. And we ended up, after our first uh, year or two, choosing the Siena Center as our as the retreat center where we did our weekend silent retreats. And now they have asked us for the last, I think about seven or eight years, we've been doing a retreat as part of the teaching staff with two other two other teachers who are both artists. Um, we do every other year East Meets West and it's uh, five days of, I like to call it, adult summer camp, overnight camp, and it's a combination of art, contemplative art that we do, and that we're able to uh, enjoy seeing each other's work, and we do a lot of uh, yoga and meditation, and uh, we had Taze prayer. We combine things from all different spiritual paths, and we all have um, there. This time we had to have a smaller group, so they had closed enrollment before we could even advertise it uh, with with any of you, unless you're already on their mailing group, because they're very careful with the space limitations and uh, taking care of other people who live. In that in the complex so we had three conference room where ordinarily we would just have one of those three because we all masked for everything except eating meals and um, we had to keep our, our distance and we had to have daily checks and I'll have to say it was the first time since the pandemic began that I've had to wear a mask continually for an entire day because I stayed at home during the pandemic. I live alone. I did everything on Zoom and, and uh, here on Facebook and online. And uh, the only time I really, pretty much the only time I needed to wear a mask was at the doctor's office or at the grocery store. And so wearing it for that long a time, I really had a lot of compassion and deep feeling for those service workers who took care of all of us during the pandemic. 
every everyone from medical workers to the people in the grocery stores and the people keeping things open and running. Uh, it's difficult to wear the mask and communicate and ooh, have it on for the for an entire day. So that was a whole. You know, I could imagine it, but it wasn't until I had to do it that I could really appreciate the the difficulty. Sometimes difficult to hear other people, or for them, you know, for us to hear each other, even with a microphone. So, and in the summer it gets hot. <laughs> so I told my daughter, I think I had a rash uh, from my uh, mask, and she and she called it macne. So there's even. <laughs> There's even a word for that. So I thought she had a typo when we were chatting, but I think then I looked at it again and realized, oh, that's a thing now. So uh, there was so much, the, the exchange between people is so wonderful when it's people who are all um, like-minded in terms of really focusing on a spiritual path. And it then it, really uh, begins to uh, tell us how connected we are when we're with people from other different paths, but we see those, those how we're more connected than we are apart and more the same than we are not alike. And that's very sweet to, to remember and be with those people. Um, so it was a beautiful week, but I missed all of you. So I wanted to sit today, but I also wanted to read from Dhamma Everywhere, a wonderful book by Ashin Tejaniya, or U Tejaniya uh, Sayadaw, U Sayadaw U Tejaniya. And remember, Wisdom Stream, it's there. Uh, website is wisdomstreams.org and that's out of Berkeley so although he lives in uh, Myanmar as far as I know still uh, that's the American organization that handles his books and you can find lots of teachings and his English is very good so that center has lots of free material free resources and all of the books you can get all of the books he's written there. So we had been reading through, let's see, the talking about Dhamma investigation. So he, the Buddha wants us to uh, keep our defilements from rising up. So we're, Dhamma investigation is when we're, one, one practice is when we're Being uh, investigating our mind when something arises, it can be a potential defilement, uh, some kind of irritation or aversion arises in us, or some uh, clinging is arising, and especially towards sens sensual pleasures, you know, just the things that feel so good. We can observe those and see when it's when it's becoming an defilement, because that's what we're trying to see and learn how to work with and get rid of before it becomes 
a habitual pattern for us. So we work to see before those things can arise and we work to clean them out, the ones that have already risen, and then we can uh, maintain a state of, you know, always being having the defilements decreasing and encouraging wholesome, skillful qualities to arise. And most of the things we're looking at have become those habitual patterns, habitual thought patterns, habitual uh, behavior patterns. I think we talked about anger, but I want to, there's, we've, we started talking about um, that investigation of these things. And the investigation doesn't mean sitting and analyzing and thinking about them when we see them arise. That investigation is just an awareness of them, seeing them clearly for what they are, uh, not trying to push them down, not trying to uh, be blind to them as defilements, but it is seeing them and recognizing them for what they truly are. We may not even have an awareness that these are defilements. It may be the way we see the world through our, our eyes and our experience. It may be how we've kind of cloaked something that's been hard for us to deal with or get rid of, and so we, we, have, to, we have taken it on as, well, this is how I am, or this is the kind of person I am, or this is how we've always done it. Uh, this is how we handle this in my family. This is how I handle this. And we don't recognize them as defilements. We don't need to go back and analyze things and um, dig up more thoughts and more memories of them, but we do need to clearly be aware that this is a defilement. This isn't something I want to. This isn't something I want to keep in my mind. And so, the things that we can work with, we can begin to see, recognize that they are defilements. That they are not uh it's they're not clear viewpoints they're not they are viewpoints they aren't seeing clearly so i want to start with this uh i think that we left off with uh, don't let anger grow we talked about the role of awareness so i'll read a few pages here but this dhamma uh this investigation dhamma investigation in practice is very helpful because we often confuse investigation with our thinking, thinking, thinking mind. And that is what gets us trapped into the cycle of thinking instead of having a clear awareness and then being able to uh, start recognizing it for what it truly is and letting it go. Don't let anger grow. So he just finished the paragraph about sharp awareness. I'll read that again, it's so important. Sharp awareness can see the inner workings of the mind. The causes that are present can't be seen when there is only partial awareness. You may see that there is no anger or greed present, but with greater awareness that you will realize that delusion is always present. Meditators sometimes tell me that there is no greed or aversion present in the mind, 
but that is a very surface level observation. They haven't really seen what is underneath. A strong awareness and a steady mind are needed in order to see more subtle levels. That's what I mean when I say you need to be able to keep the steady mind in check for longer periods. If you can maintain that steadiness, which requires a presence of wisdom, and you ask a question, the answer will come. This is so important. And this is, I also really feel strongly that this is also why a meditation practice, a regular practice, is helping us develop that stable mind. And a, 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 an equanimous mind is a stable mind, and a mind in samadhi is a stable mind. So if we're just practicing for a few minutes here or there, that's good, uh, that's good to do, it's because it keep, brings us back to the present moment. But to develop, to develop a, a readily available steady mind, stable mind, we need to have those, uh, those times when we can really sit with ourselves longer. So, the next section after, that was the end of the awareness section. Don't let anger grow. You too can use different techniques as needed for the situation you are in. Suppose you are, you're at work and there's just too much work going on. What will you do? I would in the past just use awareness because there was already samadhi available from practice. The mind was able to use that. I had a lot of work to do at the market and it was tough to investigate. So I just cleared out the defilement using everything I had learned, samatha or vipassana, which is insight. I didn't want anger to come up. When I had a lot of work to do, I didn't think about anything else but just watch the anger gently but continuously. It just went down. There was no thinking involved. It's very important. There was no thinking involved. If I were to think while there was anger, my mind would only think about anger-related things. I didn't think about anything anymore at that moment, but just watch the anger for a few minutes, and it went down. Does the anger go to zero? No, you are not free yet at that moment. It's still in there, but you will only see as deeply as the strength of sati, which is mindfulness, and samadhi, which is that stable mind, focus mind. You will only see as de deeply as the strength of sati and samadhi present. If the defilement is still there, it'll just come right back up. But of course, it's better to handle the defilement while it's still young. When the fire is small, you can just throw some water on it. What happens if it has taken half the house? The water is gone, your energy is gone, and so is half the house. You'll have to put in something more. That's why I wouldn't even give these defilements a chance anymore. I wouldn't allow them to come out. 
the Buddha said, don't give defilements a chance to arise. So what are you not giving a chance to? Present defilements, future defilements, past defilements? Defilements in the present are already happening. What defilements can you overcome if you recognize that there is defilement present? You have not reached the state of overcoming the defilements yet, which is okay. If the defilements are happening, it's already late. You are only at the point of investigation. In reality, if you begin to understand, wisdom will overcome it and close it down. That wisdom won't even give it a chance to arise. That's how you overcome it. How does someone overcome it by not letting it in? Do defilements have a chance to arise if there is sati, samadhi, and panya, and panya, or wisdom, is strong? What if awareness is strong and there's a calm, stable mind, but wisdom is weak? Anger will definitely come up. Some people with sati and samadhi can sometimes have really strong tempers. So we still haven't overcome uh, that maybe equality in our personality. So some people with awareness and that uh, stable mind, a focused mind, can sometimes have really strong tempers. Let's say someone has really strong concentration. Samadhi, or that concentration, that stable mind, samadhi alone, without wisdom, may only amplify a situation. Defilements also exaggerate situations. Combine the two and you've squared it. <laughs> That's an explosion. So you'll begin to look for a way out only when you can't stand it anymore. I love that sentence. Someone who lives in the shade will not be able to stand it when it becomes hot around him or her. So this person will make sure something like that won't happen again in the future. They won't let the anger out, although the anger might want to come out. Now they're not repressing the defilement. They're not suppressing it, but they're not letting it come out in speech or in action because they don't want to do that anymore. They see that that's that's when we've lost control. This is just, this is just a perfect uh, page of wonderful advice because even if someone can sit like a stone, you know, and sit in samadhi for a long, long time, they still have issues that they're working with. Moha is darkness. If you have just a little awareness, how much will you benefit? Do you see how much more the mind is at ease? It's because you don't know just how much is happening that you don't know how much lighter it could be. Okay, let's do that one over again. Okay, remember, delusion is moha. If you have just a little awareness, how much will you benefit? Do you see how much more the mind is at ease? 
It's because you don't know just how much is happening that you don't know how much lighter it could be. There are always subtle defilements underneath. Delusion, moha, is always there. So that's delusion, not seeing things clearly, not seeing things the way they really are. That's seeing things with that uh, curtain of, of me in front of myself, in front of self. So that moha is always there, delusion is there whenever wisdom is not present. It is only in those brief moments when wisdom is present that delusion is not present. How many times does I not happen? Even if you see that for just a brief moment, then delusion comes in to cover it up immediately. You have this tiny thief's <laughs> you have this tiny thief's flashlight. When you turn it on, of course it'll light up and you can see. He said a tiny thief's flashlight. So think of those <laughs> think the the burglar only wants to see exactly where he's going, right? He doesn't want it to brighten up the room. You have this tiny thief's flashlight. When you turn it on, of course it'll light up and you can see. You can only see this small part in front of you, but you are probably just satisfied with that. Think about it. You think, oh, I know a lot now. What about all that you haven't seen? It's vast. You only know what you have seen, but you don't know what you don't know. I have to read a little bit more. This is just so good. Stir things up a little. If you are able to observe this little wisdom as it is happening, then this wisdom will show the way. You don't realize what you don't know yet. You can only understand this little portion. That is why you can't just be satisfied and stop there. That's so important to remember. It's not enough when you understand something. You don't know the nature of delusion. When do you understand the nature of delusion? You will understand when there's wisdom. Delusion steps down for a brief while when wisdom arises. Then you'll see just how much delusion is present. That's why I don't just ask about objects. I ask you, what you know and what is happening in the observing mind. You have to stir things up a little to help wisdom arise. What is happening? What about the observing mind? Ask every so often. So, you have to know I ask you what you know, so that's why I don't just ask about objects. I ask you what you know and what is happening in the observing mind. That's why awareness and some questionings go hand in hand. There has to be this inquisitive thoughtfulness along with the awareness. 
as the mind changes, there's this urge to know and understand what is happening. Only then the mind will be alert all the time. If the mind has a little energy, it'll be aware, aware, aware. But let's say it gets cloudy outside, then you become drowsy. When the mind calms down, you may become drowsy again. In reality, when the mind becomes calm, it's prime time for you to use your prior knowledge and information. You previously couldn't use too much of this when the mind was agitated because things would have just gotten jumbled up. You need to be putting these skills to use as awareness strengthens and there's stability in the mind. Okay, so let's do, before we move on to, to the next chapter, here's more questions from what is mindfulness meditation? That's been this whole first section. So you can think of these questions. With what kind of mind are you being aware? How does the mind feel when you are aware of this object? Are you aware that you are sitting, walking, standing, doing daily activities? What can you know naturally while you are doing these things? Where is the mind? What is it doing? What is it feeling? What is it thinking? What is happening? Why is it happening? If there's no need for what is happening to go away or what is not happening to appear, what sort of energy do you need to use? I like that one. If there's no need for what is happening to go away or what is not happening to appear, what sort of energy do you need to use? Do you need to make an effort to see or hear? Are you still aware without having to focus on something? There is the object and there is the watching mind. Which is more important? Which object is better? The incoming or outgoing breath at the nostrils or the rising and falling motion of the abdomen? What is happening in the body what do you know? What can you know naturally? What is happening in the mind right now? Is it peaceful? Agitated? Upset? What is happening? When do you begin your practice during the day? That's a trick question. <laughs> what is the mind thinking? How much effort is the mind exerting? What kinds of attitude are present? How are you meditating? Are you practicing the right way? How do you continue with the practice? Those are wonderful questions. Questions from this What is Mindfulness Meditation chapter. So I'll stop with that. The next section is the right attitude. Right attitude 101, he calls it. What is the right attitude for meditation is the first section. 
Ah, lovely book. So let's try. We have just a few minutes left, but let's uh, sit together. And then maybe you have time to continue sitting for a while. Uh, you may have things going on today, but maybe you can take a few minutes or you can watch this when you have some time to just be with yourself. So just be aware of the body breathing. can watch as the air comes into your nostrils and out again, noticing the sensations. Or you can watch your abdomen. You can feel your abdomen rising when you breathe in, pulling in as you breathe out. Pick one of those spots to observe the breath. It's a very, it's a very soft focus. But we always can come back to that breath, no matter how, no matter how far out we get, no matter how distracted we become. When we notice it, when we notice we're distracted, when we notice we're up in one of our stories, we just come back to the breath. Just allow yourself to sink into that beautiful breath. Now, if you can continue to sit, <clears throat> please do. But before I leave, may you all, may we all, all beings everywhere, beginning with ourselves and radiating out, may we all be well, 
May we be safe and feel safe. May we be content and truly happy. May we all live in peace. May everything we do and say, everything we think be done not only for our own benefit, but for the benefit of all sentient beings everywhere throughout the universe. Thank you. Keep sitting if you can, and uh, have a beautiful day. <clears throat> be careful, this is a crazy holiday, right? So be careful if you're driving. Be careful if you're playing with fire. Take care, I'll see you all Tuesday. Bye-bye.